ending nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is March the 6th, exhausted he used to get angry with his mom and he would stand outside there on the front lawn if he was mad at his mom and he would he would take a um, the sort of four-letter word that i can't say on the air still fcc spank if i do he would start maybe say with the f word and he would holler the word and his poor mother would go insane uh, she'd just get frantic but I could see, watching the poor little guy, how this gave him power, power, power. He could upset his mommy, right? Mommy don't allow no D.H. Lawrence around here. Anyway, never mind that aspect of the thing. The truth is that uh, uh, the, what is it, let's call them the, the right-wing pundits... We know that their intent is not just to hurt. Their intent is to uh, demonize, demonize, right? Uh, I'm glad that the president was kind enough to call the young woman who has been uh, demonized or called an S-L-U-T. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was nice to hear the president state that it's time for people to stop and think. Of course, he was referring to... Um, the war thing, yes. Think it through, he said. Imagine, he used words like, uh, imagine, uh, let's see, careful, he said. Uh, use a thoughtful approach. I love this stuff. Uh, war's not a political football is basically what he was trying to get across. He was uh, pretty flippant, actually. Uh, he's showing, well, let's call it, uh, he, he's taking the political uh, 
battle, the battle among the Republicans. He's taking that uh, as a subject for amusement. Uh, anyway, I, I was kind of grateful to hear someone who sounds like a grown-up. Not that any news conference is going to reveal very much. Uh, there was at least a little plain talk about the war on women. I keep thinking, thinking, so many people have told me that I should concentrate on the war on women and just just use my little half hour to uh, describe the, what is it, uh, the present state of affairs. And I, I always say that I can only stand so much of it. Ah, uh, from time to time, I, I just have to get away from all that misogyny. Uh, anyway, Rush Limbaugh did make an apology for his hate speech. And the president said that he didn't know what is in Rush Limbaugh's heart. Uh, I actually don't care much. I just know <laughs> what's in his bank account. Goddess knows he has made millions with his nasty words. Uh, the president was, well, certainly political when he spoke about his daughters. He said he hoped that when they're older, they will be able to cope with that sort of thing, you know, that language and attitude presented by the misogynists. Uh, let's face it, girls, somebody's going to call you a bitch. As I say, it is the tone it is the, the tone. What is tone? I looked it up. It's the attitude of the speaker towards the subject. That's it. Uh, hmm. I remember once hearing the word girl, G-I-R-L, a four-letter word. And it was spoken with so much malevolence that I don't think I have ever been seared more sharply. Uh Yes, it's the way we speak. Let's face it, folks. We all know what these things feel like. Um, I hope that the president's daughters, Sasha and Malia, are listening or that they heard their dad this morning. I certainly uh, know that Michelle was listening. Uh, the president said that he didn't have to tell women what to think. Um He's not about to get into that mess. Uh, I remember JFK was also very cavalier about that. Do you remember? Somebody in a press conference asked President Kennedy what he thought women wanted. And he said, well, certainly, uh, you know, they, what was the line? Uh, what did... Um, what did women want him to do? And he said, well, we certainly haven't done enough. Something to that effect. Uh, always be witty, boys. Uh, what occurs to me is that we should probably be grateful uh, that the president is a good feminist. 53% uh, uh, of the women out there, let's see, the voters, 53% of our voters are women, it says here in my notes. I'm not sure that's true, but I heard it on PBS. I guess the Democrats will certainly want to use that fact, if it is a fact, as the election draws on. What have we got, nine months to go? I noticed that the president looks and sounds very happy, very healthy, cheerful, what is called 
proactive. That awful word. Uh, I think that his sparkle, his charm, indicates that he is a satisfied man, that his home life is positive. Hmm. Pro-positive. Anyway, I don't like to get too specific because, of course, we're not supposed to talk naughty, but I have watched him. And uh, he and Michelle together are very romantic. I think they have time uh, to go dancing, to be in love. The evenings that they've been spending having the musical performances at the White House are quite, quite, uh, quite cheerful. We see them enjoying jazz and oh, all sorts of music. Um, the Latin evening was terrific. The scene there is glowing, and some of the time it actually looks like the uh, entertainers are having fun and the audience is uh, joining in. Imagine, anyway, I am one of those who imagines that it might be a good thing for the leader of the most dangerous nation on earth to have a full life with his wife and, of course, with his family. Yes, family values his... <laughs> His mother-in-law is often there uh, with a sense of humor she has, obviously, and with a will to help. Uh, she was awfully sweet at Christmas out there, lighting the Christmas trees and things. Uh, uh, if you are in the mood, if you are the sort of person who likes to do uh, things like write letters, why not write to uh, the White House to those young girls, to the wife, to the first grandmother. Send them a note. Tell them what you think. Um, you might even slip in a few ideas about the lives we live here in the U.S. of A. And uh, about the way things are going around the world. And what the president might do if and when he has a second term in office. I'm working on it, yes. Letter to the White House. That might be a good essay. Anyway, they say, um, well, I read in the New Yorker magazine that the president reads ten letters every night. Uh, he takes a pile of papers to his office and after dinner sits down to do his paperwork and he reads these ten letters and checks out the Vox Pop, the voice of the people. So write to him, and write to the four women that he sees every day. We call this pillow talk. <laughs> I love that story that his mother-in-law tells. I think I've already told it on the air. Anyway, she always talks about going out to shop without any security, you know, just uh, keeping her head down. But uh, when she's uh, in the store, she says, people will come up to her and tell her that she looks just like Marion Robinson, the president's mother-in-law. <laughs> she says, oh, yeah, I get that a lot. I just think that's a hoot. Anyway, today I want to talk about a movie. I've almost used up half my time here. I want to talk about a movie made by the actor Angelina Jolie, and I'm putting it off here because I dread it. I don't know why. I, uh, I, I was really disturbed by the movie she's made. Um, Angelina Jolie is the actor who is married to Brad Pitt. They're world travelers, the two of them, peaceniks. They have six kids now and just keep adopting whole orphanages. Uh, 
Uh, he, Brad Pitt, says maybe it's time to retire. He's 50-ish, 50-ish. He says his shelf life is running out. Anyway, she um, is just coming to the party. She was quite spectacular at the Oscars. She, she's in this black dress and with her white legs sticking out. Mm, was very uh, very startling effect she made there. Uh, actually, I thought of my mother's worst put down. Yes, a rag, a bone, and a hank of hair. No, no, no. That's mean, mean, mean. She was stunning. Uh, slash of red lipstick. Uh, she is not afraid to use what the gods have given her. This is her first film. She wrote it. She directed it. She does not act in it. Uh, she's had a long career. She is certainly one gorgeous film star. Oh, well, actually, that movie, The Tourist, that was awful. But never mind. Um, there's always a mix. Uh, her role in, uh, <laughs> well, uh, what was it? Alexander the Great. I think the title was just Alexander. That was unforgettable. The mother, the mother of Alex the Macedonian madman. Now that is, what is it? That meets Cleopatra of Macedonian. I think that Cleopatra was, of course, um, also a Macedonian or a descendant of uh Alexander's mother was one of history's most delusional dames. She told Alexander he was a god, and he bought it. That's the way it works. Alexander the Great, he had a primordial conflict with his dad. His biological dad, I guess, uh, or the one she was married to at the time, Philip of Macedon. Now, whether... Uh, uh, Alexander killed him is up for debate. Now, this gets me to the movie. The movie is all about the Balkans, all about Macedonia. <laughs> uh, she sets the film in the present, that is, uh, back in the 90s, between 1992 and 1995, during the three and a half years that the Muslims and the Serbs suffered a bloodbath, a bloodbath. The Serbs wouldn't quit until Clinton, well, both Clintons, Bill and Hillary, uh, decided that NATO should stop the carnage. Not since World War II has the body count been so high. Uh, the movie is called The Land of Blood and Honey. <laughs> Um, satirical, of course, the land of milk and honey is someplace else. The land of blood and honey was the Balkans during the 90s. Uh, I don't know if the movie's going to be popular. That's what I'm wondering. It's just hitting the theaters. I saw it on cable. Angelina Jolie appears in a little blurb there uh, saying that she thinks the movie will be... Uh, uh, be better received or best received on cable because it is intimate, it is private, it is about the bad faith between lovers, about the uh, 
the breakdown of intimacy. Yes, that's what it's about, the failure of intimacy. Or that's what I would say. Anyway, my question has been, ever since I've started critiquing films back in the 80s, right? Uh, is a horrific movie about torture, rape, murder, and vicious emotional assault, is that the sort of thing that will help stop such behavior? Does the need to know win out over the pain caused by creating such works? First of all, who's going to see the movie? Uh, is it suitable for high school students? Will most of the audience be those who already know what happened? Does the fact that this is a movie made by uh, a very popular, special celebrity, uh, is that going to make a difference? And is Angelina Jolie singing to the choir? Is she just telling us things we know and... Uh, is the movie just going to be seen by left-wing, well, by liberals? She says she was impelled to make the movie. It wasn't because she wants to be a director. It's because this is a story that needs to be told. Uh, I guess she's right. First of all, present the bloodbath. Show the world um, where the bodies are buried. Then, later, uh, maybe a generation later, when the blood is dry, it'll be time to make a movie about an alternative world, a feminist utopia. Now, the trouble is, I am one of those who feels or believes that movies, film, pictures, images always argue in favor of what they show. With words, you can have an argument. With pictures, right to the brainstem, folks. Even if we learn, if we are taught that the violence is evil, or even that the bad people suffer and are punished, still it's the image that sticks sticks to the old brain stem. It's the rape scenes, for example. Do they teach or imprint on the nervous systems, say, of young males or even of old females like me who get nightmares from this stuff? I am of two minds when we talk about the anti-war pictures. Now, this movie, In the Land of Blood and Honey, it's all about the bad faith between these two lovers. Oh, and there are a lot of other people in the picture, too. But basically, the guy is a Serb, and she is a Muslim. Basically, that is... He is the uh, oppressor and she the oppressed, although we do see that there's a mix. And uh, at certain points, she does try to, what is that, help her own people to come back at his people anyway before the war. 
They're beginning a love affair, and then the violence erupt, and the film follows these two as they struggle and struggle to remain human or to become human in some cases. They fail. Well, anyway, he does. Um, but maybe that's just the way I saw it. His struggle is with his father. That's the best role in the picture, by the way. Wow. Anyway, I hope he gets his Oscar. Anyway, the father is the character who represents the past, the history of uh, Serb oppression or the oppression of the Serbs. Pardon me, right? <laughs> he, he tells you right off that um, the Turks are his enemy, that they terrorized his family and his people, doesn't want any Muslim rulers. Uh, he hates those who killed his family, his siblings, and, uh, yep, uh, golly, let's see. He's willing to sacrifice his son in this battle to destroy the Muslims. Anybody who was around in 1944 in the Balkans will recognize all these historical arguments. Uh, the father's behavior toward his son's lover is sadistic in the extreme. Obviously, he holds her responsible for what happened in the past. Always, this is the way of the old beliefs. This is the revenge culture. We know that nothing can change, nothing will change, until the fathers love their sons or their children more than they hate their enemies. Right. My son is mine. Anyway, that's the way of the world most of the time. Now, we see evidence that things are changing, and I guess I'm one of those who want to see more movies about the way things could be, might be, should be, you know, feminist utopias. The movie is, uh, well, I'll let somebody else argue about whether it's art. Mm, I'm not sure it belongs with Apocalypse Now or The Deer Hunter or some of the other anti-war masterpieces. It is cinematically okay. The script could use some tightening. There are several plot lines that get lost. Angelina Jolie has gone for the dramatic. She gives us the stuff that makes us cringe. The crime of rape as a weapon of war is front and center. I think you should be very careful if you decide to take someone to this movie. Be sure that they are um, ready to see some horrific stuff, as we know. The International Court in The Hague has finally accepted rape as a war crime. They've finally begun to condemn rape, uh, you know, make it, make it official, folks. It's not just a side effect of war. It's not just an accident. It's not collateral damage. It's not recreation for the warrior, although it's all of those things. It was a policy. It is still a policy. Look around uh, every day of the week, every day, every hour, a way to destroy the soul of a people, the way to wreck the community, kill and rape the mother, metaphorically, literally, 
War on Woman on the Heart of the Family. In the process, of course, you kill the heart of the rapist and the murderer. After that, he is soul dead. He will do anything. My first film, years ago when I was writing about this stuff, the first film that I used was called The Damned by Visconti. Uh, the movie was made in the 1960s. It was about the the years leading up to World War II, in which we see a rich family, right? We see the making of a Nazi. He's required to rape and murder his mother, literally. Uh, was it uh, Ingrid Tullen, that beautiful actress from the Ingmar Bergman films? Anyway, Visconti's The Damned is the one that I would begin any course. Film, yes, film course, film 101. The Damned. And, of course, getting back to the beginning here, I would suggest to you that people like Rush Limbaugh and uh, all the other <laughs> all the other dudes that love, love to say all these cute, nasty things about sluts, about women, these are the guys that sow the seeds with their vicious... Uh, Vicious remarks, you know, the assault of bigots. Um, there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful list in the New Yorker. Um, uh, Hendrik Hertzberg, you know, the guy that does the political stuff in the New Yorker. That's very funny stuff. He's talking about the Republican base. I would call them the right wing base. He says they are excitable. And, uh, oh, what does he call them? Uh, Rush Limbaugh ditto heads, uh, an overlapping assortment of Fox News friends, Tea Party animals, war whoopers, nativists, Christianist fundamentalists, a la carte Catholics, that is, anti-abortion, yes, anti-torture, no, uh, let's see, anti-Rooseveltians, that would be anti-Franklin and anti-Theodore Roosevelt, Okay, global warming denialists, post-Confederate white Southrons, whatever the hell that is, creationists, birthers, market idolaters, Europe demonizers, gun fetishists. <laughs> anyway, the list goes on and on. That's that's in the New Yorker for March the fifth. I just got it in the mail yesterday. Uh, it's all about the, well, actually, he finally gets around to the kick line of clowns, knaves, and zealots. Um, anyway, surging first past Romney, and now Romney's on top again. Anyway, Michelle Bachman, the under, oh, yes, Michelle Bachman, Sarah Palin's understudy, right, okay. Anyway, Newt Gingrich, he says, proved a harder nut to crack. And this stuff is very funny. It doesn't, it's fun, you see. It's fun until we realize uh, the, what is it, uh, the deep-seated hatred that underlies this stuff. I remember oh, a year or two ago, was some, it was a Catholic clergy. Um, he did not wish to say the words over a dead woman she had been a receptionist in a birth in a uh, an abortion clinic and um 
She had been killed by one of the fellows who was trying to shoot the doctors there at the clinic, and uh, he didn't feel he should say the words over her, uh, although she was a Catholic lady. Um, he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want people to think that he approved of her being a receptionist in an abortion clinic, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, Rick Santorum. I think I'll just save him for another day, or maybe we can skip him. Uh, time for me to get off the air. <laughs> yes, I'll save Rick Santorum for the day when I really feel like getting getting crazy. Uh, just remember, folks, it was Hitler. The first thing he did was to padlock the birth control clinics, folks. As soon as he came to power, he banned women from the Reichstag, took away their teaching jobs, and uh, said no contraception yes no no population without uh, no fornication without population that was his yeah that's that's the motive till next time go easy and if you can't go easy go as easy as you can it's been Jennifer Stone Howard Zinn said, if there was an award for most valuable sports writer, I'd vote for Dave Zirin. Utney Reader calls him one of 50 visionaries who are changing our world. Zirin will speak about sports under occupation in Berkeley on Wednesday, March 14th, 7 p.m. at the First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way, a benefit for the Middle East Children's Alliance to send soccer balls to Palestine. Co-sponsored by KPFA, this event is wheelchair accessible. Tickets are $15, $10 low income. More information and tickets at www.meccaforpeace.org or 510-548-0542. Dave will also sign his new book, The John Carlos Story, The Sports Moment That Changed the World.